0: Go. hey guys we're back again with another episode from the podcast uh we missed last week but we are making up for it with a special guest this time around we're introducing finn if you want to say hello finn hello finn hey, hey, you you're, you're, you're a funny guy aren't you yeah. all right so uh all right so we've got finn on because he's got a uh he's got a special tendency and he enjoys you know the film industry he, he knows a lot about it <laughs> okay fun. just go with it man just go, go with, with it, man. Films. He watches films. A lot of so, films. So you know, I was going to ask Louis about what the, what we were talking about, but it's very clear we're talking about films. So I think we're going to hop right into it. So, yeah,
1: uh, yeah. I think. <laughs> what, is uh, what, it, what is a film? What uh, is a film? What
0: defines a film? I don't know, because that's that's an interesting question. Because Casey and I were speaking about you know filmography and you know cinematography earlier, and we were talking about I think what was it 1917, Casey? Yeah. And I would say we have differing opinions. I would say 1917 is a brilliant film, but I, part of me almost doesn't look at 1917 as a film because there's so many like aspects to it that can just could make it considered, you know, art as such, like an art form rather than a. Wait, why film. can't film be art? Oh no, it can be. Ooh. It's just, it's just <laughs> what, what what I'm looking at it first. Like if you slapped, Oh, this man's going to be devil's advocate for the whole thing, isn't he? Right.
2: Uh, no, I'm if just you, asking a question.
0: If you looked at Avengers Endgame, which I, I personally really enjoyed, you know, the cinematography was still good in that. The, but I primarily walked into that cinema looking for a, a conclusion to what, a, a cinematic universe, like a phase of, of a cinematic universe. I, looked, I went in there for a story. Right, uh, so you're uh,
2: literally just talking the difference between visuals and narrative. Visual, yeah,
0: exactly. So 1917, on the other hand... Obviously, it had a great story as well, and it was executed really well. But the, I've o- honestly, like, I honestly enjoyed the other aspects quite a bit more. To the point where, when I, if I, if I rewatch that, I wouldn't be rewatching that for the story. I'd probably re- rewatching it for the scenes, you know, the execution, the acting, as such. What? I don't, I don't like... think
2: you would rewatch it now because you don't have it in the cinema. Oh, I mean, <sighs>
0: yeah, brilliant!
1: Okay, wow, but. Um... I think the main reason why 1917, I've I, I got to admit, the one-shot thing is it's a bit of a gimmick, but then that's what sets it apart from every other war film ever. Yeah, it's is a it niche. The fact, the, fact that, yeah, the fact that it's films like that makes it feel like you're not separated at all from the movie. And you feel
0: uh, fully yeah. I mean, it was an advertising point as well, because I remember whenever I went to the cinema to watch another film, and it was advertised in the trailers beforehand, they were, you know, the director would always come on and be like, yeah, you know, it's the first one-shot film ever, or, or oh, I don't know if it was the first, but well, they were. No,
2: it's not. You've got Birdman that came out a long time ago that did the same thing, and even if you look at music videos, it's there quite a lot of the most famous ones, so like Unfinished Sympathy, which is the Massive Attack one, that's one shot. And they're quite famous for doing the one shot.
0: Oh, I think Birdman
2: might even be one take, if I'm not wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, something well, stupid I mean, like that. I mean, that is quite impressive. I mean, but again, that just that just furthers the point. Obviously, there's there's so few examples of that sort of thing that to put it in a war film, you know, a triple A war film. That's you know, so it's it's got such a like wide audience. It's it did so well. It won the Oscar. Oh no, it didn't won the win the Oscar. What am I saying? Mm-hmm. No, so won. Parasite one, correct, which I guess we can get still on to later. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I still oh, haven't watched Parasite. That's really good, like really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, but that that brings. I kind can. Of, I guess that those two are very different films. I guess that brings us on to a good point, being you know genres in general. So I don't know about you guys, but my favorite genre at the moment, I think, is is, is horror. I'd, I'd say you know, I'm really enjoying them. I don't genuine generally, but if oh. done correctly, they they're pretty decent.
2: Yeah. I mm-hmm. I completely agree. I mean, horror is something that I always can go back to because even if it's like terrible, it can still be really enjoyable. And sometimes yeah. when it's as bad as horror can get, it's still not boring. It's yeah, I it, like, like worst case scenario, it's funny.
3: With, yeah, with horror you have the two genres like a good horror movie and then that you can enjoy, and then horror movies that you can enjoy but look at it at a more like sort of comical viewpoint. i don't don't feel like there's either way like i feel like a horror movie can do well
2: yeah it feels like sorry go ahead no 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 no. no. i was just
0: following what he was saying
2: yeah yeah i was just like it feels like a golden age for horror like it's gonna it's the start of a good time because we've got this especially the studio a24 which is producing most of the best horror movies at the moment Mm -hmm. it's like it's it's not really a Hollywood sort of elite thing. It's, it's in the same way that we've had all the Marvel movies up to this point, where it wasn't like the mainstream, but it's becoming more mainstream. With you see, like directors like Jordan Peele and Ari Aster, with like Get Out, uh, Us, Hereditary, mm. uh, Midsummer, and they're just like these big movies but are still independent enough to make the horror genre work really well.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I get that, especially... I think uh, you know, Get Out and Us are, like, a pretty... They're both two good examples of that, because... I, I don't know. I don't even remember Get Out being advertised whatsoever. But I know that it did, it did really well in terms of ratings, critics, and everything. But yeah, it wasn't very it wasn't very mainstream. What, but it received a lot of attention nonetheless. It was quite impressive. But yeah, aside from horror, I mean, Casey and Louis, what do you guys think is the the best genre? Your favourite?
1: I mean, I wouldn't really say I have a favourite genre to be honest. I certainly have. I'm a, I'm a bit of a basic bitch when it comes to favourite director, and that's being uh, Quentin Tarantino. Oh, fair enough. In just that, um, I can always go to a Tarantino film and be, still be, uh, satisfied with what I've watched. Mm-hmm. I guess the same. It's the same for like Spielberg and that. I'm not like, but it's still. It's kind of like the, um, especially with like Inglorious Bastards and, um, uh, Django Unchained. It's kind of the, uh, it it the amount of action that it packs into it kind of adds a comedic element,
0: mm-hmm. a bit,
1: because. It makes it so. Uh, it makes it It makes it makes almost silly, to be honest, the amount of uh, action it packs into it. And therefore, I, I, not only do I feel like I'm watching an action movie, but I'm also watching a bit of a comedy one. And mm-hmm. obviously, there's a lot of pop references uh, involved in Tarantino films, which also, I mean, when I'm watching it, it sometimes pops out in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's. Yeah, that's quite on the other. That's quite, I guess, on the
0: the other end of the spectrum. in that, obviously, Tarantino is a very well-established director, and he has been for a while. So his films, when he announces them, and obviously he's just done Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, they they get a lot of attention very quickly because he's, yeah. you know, he's well-established, which is obviously a big contrast, or you know, the aforementioned films. Uh, but I guess that just goes to show that, like you know, it doesn't even matter when it comes to genre and everything, but. I think there's always going to, you know, there's always going to be films out there that I just, I mean, it doesn't matter what I'm trying to say. I think is it doesn't matter in terms of the attention you get, you can get solid independent films, but you can just as well get solid blockbuster triple A sort of uh, titles that come out. And yeah, I mean, it, I think things right in that this is like, I guess a golden age, maybe not just for horror, but just films in general, I think, you know, Despite the whole situation at the moment, I think, you know, there's a lot of good titles that have been announced that are coming out. I know I know I think people are a little bit, you know, I think the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe is kind of taking a downhill from Endgame now because a lot of the big players have left. But, you know, you've got the the new Black Widow movie coming out. I think I I mean I don't know any other films that are coming out at the moment, but I'm sure there's some great ones.
2: Well, I'm still looking forward to everything. I don't think it's gonna be worse. I mean you're getting rid of like Chris Evans played one of the most deadpan characters. Like not deadpan, oh, yeah. but like one of the most emotion like he all the emotion Captain America got was from Winter Soldier and that was mm-hmm. it. You've got characters that have only started becoming better characters like Thor. If you look at the first Thor movie and Thor the Dark World, is that they like pale in comparison to Thor Ragnarok and mm-hmm. Thor's characters in Uh, infinity war and endgame and it's like obviously you've still got black panther spider-man who's probably the biggest player and Mm -hmm. well for me i love the guardians of the galaxy i think they're one of the most exciting to come off of it and you're getting rid of like some of the bigger names yeah but i don't think i think it will allow for possibly better movies I mean Endgame was brilliant but it's it was mostly because it was finishing off it was finishing off an age as well but I think I'm still hopeful for the next stage and stages yeah I mean the MCU
1: I'm I'm not entirely sure on the whole move to a more uh TV show orientated phase with the whole um uh fuck uh falcon and the wind soldier and all that oh yeah on disney um, plus and that yeah i'm i'm i i'm not sure how that's going to work out because obviously with a film you you watch it once um and that that's it you're done you can move on to the next film and it, there's no real commitment when it comes to that but i think with tv shows there's still there's like an element of commitment you have to bring to it in the oh, fact yeah. that you have to watch the next one and the next one and the next one in order to keep following with the storyline but when it comes to films you could maybe miss a film but you still can understand what's going on and I oh feel yeah. like they're going to they're going to miss out on that aspect when they move to a more tv show orientated phase oh,
0: yeah i think a lot of people forget nowadays like i I know for a fact when if you look at some of the tv shows from what decades ago now the episodes were actually quite a bit shorter but now now if you're looking at you know the big the big streaming sites, Netflix, you know, Disney Plus that's just come out, uh Amazon Prime video and that, a lot of the episodes are almost I think that most of them are an hour long each now, which is, you know, a good proportion of like uh it's a good proportion of like a full length film. Mm. So honestly, you're almost you're, you're almost sitting down for what's nearly a full length film and you're committed to it in a whole series. Right. So, yeah, I mean. But
2: like you're forgetting that, with creating a movie, you've got all these pressures to fulfil these certain things to get it watched. Loads mm-hmm. with TV, you're allowed to be a lot more creative. You look at something like Fox's Legion, which is it is a Marvel movie. Uh, it is Marvel character. That's it's so creative. It's so like mind bending, and it's so it's actually just so confusing and so like batshit crazy that it wouldn't you wouldn't get the money back for the film oh yeah but like tv's prepaid for you pay like companies pay to have it on there and with Disney plus especially with like trying to announce that they are doing more tv shows and that it gives the directors more freedom to work for the source material and more freedom to choose less known source material as well like you've got um the there's the announcement of the moonlight tv show which the character i love deeply but he would never get a movie mm-hmm. like he would yeah, never get
0: a movie yeah. mm-hmm. i mean i actually think it's quite smart that they're switching to uh tv shows currently because you know i think it's a double-edged sort you know it's a double-edged sword in that you know while there are is a downside to obviously you know there's not that that much of a commitment i would argue because uh, tv shows are so committed in terms of, you know, following them up in comparison to movies, that it also makes them really easy to test. So, they could you know, you could just literally drop into an episode of, what, what is it, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and, you know, you'll instantly know from the get-go whether you're into that TV show or not. And while, yeah, there'll be people that dislike it based off the first episode, I think, you know, Disney and, you know, Marvel as a whole are going to rack in uh, more viewers just because they're going to watch the first episode and realise they're into it. So it gives, I guess, it gives people more of like a freedom to decide whether they want to watch the show, or because if you're in a film, you, you you are still committed nonetheless. Obviously, a TV show is more of a long term thing. But once you're in a film, you're in a film. You have to watch. You have, you usually have to like watch the full length of it. And while you can miss some in a series, I just feel that in a TV show, it's like it's much easier to you know just leave a series once you realise you don't like it anymore. I guess in that sense, it's kind of smart because it attracts different types of people. Stage with,
3: it's sort of like a transition sort of phase at the moment um, with the whole like Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I feel like in in doing it as as a series, it helps more for the for the character development. Whereas I feel like in some movies, you can really lack in that aspect as it's sort of you're trying to get from from one bit of action to the next. Whereas for like a series, it gives you know it gives a lot more time for for character development, the story development. Yeah,
2: I completely agree. I think it's not about because I don't think um, they've reduced the amount of movies they release in a year. Well, obviously apart from this year because of coronavirus and that. But there, it's it's more about fleshing out the world because you're you as you said before you've got rid of the big players. You've got the opportunity to develop some of the secondary uh, characters um, and introduce new characters, which you can't, like, you can't necessarily do in each movie. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: It's just fleshing out the universe, really. It's having more character development to characters that have only been in one, like, one and a half movies and things like that.
0: Yeah, I think you can really see that with the actual shows themselves that they've announced, you know. Other than uh, Winter Soldier and, you know, The Falcon and whatever, uh, it is, you know, primarily some of the smaller names within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Hell, one of the villains, I think Loki's got his own TV show, and he's a fan favourite, but he was obviously a, a primarily a secondary character in initially in, you know, the, th- the four films. So, I think yeah, it's, it's really to develop the characters. And you can see that with... Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier as well, with you know, as you said, uh, Steve Rogers, you know, and Chris Evans stepping down as a big player, you know, the Captain America role seems to be passed on to uh, I think it's Anthony Mackie as the as the new Captain America, and obviously he was much more of a uh, smaller player, and now he's stepping up and he's getting fleshed out. So I think that's it's going to be interesting and it's exciting as well.
1: I uh, I'd be interested to see because all things have to come to an end. Uh, I'd be interested to see how the mcu would eventually end i mean we're at a stage now where it seems like they could go into many different directions i mean they've gone in directions that i didn't really see coming for instance the whole what if series and oh yeah i i I, it would just be interesting to see like because inevitably there has to be an ending it would just be interesting to see what that ending is
0: i think i'd beg to differ honestly I think the the Marvel Cinematic Universe is set up in such a way that it's got you know it's kind of unlimited you know because I think a lot of people would argue that you know in some ways Endgame hence the hence the title is almost a conclusion only to a part of course but I think the way that they've set the the universe up in that it's in phases that they could just they could pick it up and continue it whenever they wanted to really. And obviously, mm. I think some people's storylines, because obviously they're all intertwined, can definitely end. I think you're right. I think everything needs an ending. But the, the cinematic universe as a whole, I don't think that has to, because, you know, a universe is unlimited as such. And, you know, there's always going to be threads that you can pick up from. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what you think about that, but yeah. Yeah, but, but you
2: have to remember this is owned by Disney. As soon as it stops becoming as popular, thus it doesn't. Oh, of
0: course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're only gonna do it as much as they uh, they can make money out of it. So, I think the thing
3: that they don't want to do is is like you know drag it on too long for for the point of where it's costing more money than it's making. Yeah, I feel like it's it's easy to to overestimate how long a, a series can go on for. That's why I feel like personally with watching like many TV shows, like people always go back to rewatch the earlier seasons because they find those more interesting. And then, I don't know. For for personally, at least, it's like many TV shows that I've watched, I've preferred the earlier seasons to when sort of more mm-hmm. was going on, and it was more like sort of fresh ideas.
2: Mm. Yeah, but it, I, I think I mean, it's yeah. I think it's a wee bit different from the MCU though, because every movie has got a different director, true, a different focus.
1: I'd also say that the whole move to a TV show orientated phase is a bit of a financial move on Disney's behalf because the fact that it's all being moved to Disney Plus means that they have more control over the distribution of their content. Oh yeah,
0: 100%.
1: Therefore, they can make more monetary gain out of uh, viewership. And as well as that, it's also a subscription service.
0: So you're not only paying
1: to see it once, but you're also paying in Continuum.
2: I mean it's not like they haven't had this control in the past. They've owned the companies that produce their uh uh DVDs and that. But it's it is new for the sort of streaming age for this for Disney to have this control. But I think I think I think the MCU will probably end due to the people working within Marvel. The sadness the end because they've, they obviously love what they're doing, mm. and they're like it's loads of, uh, loads of paying attention to uh, the comics and what fans want. But as soon as Kevin Feige goes, I yeah. think it might end.
1: Uh, yeah, because you can definitely feel the the um the passion that is in every film and a show that Disney makes. I mean, uh, Marvel makes. When you look at the mastermind that is um, Kevin Feige, he's definitely, um, he knows what he's doing. He's got it all planned out, and every time you see him do a conference at, say, like Comic-Con or whatever, or any other convention, he, as I said, he know, he knows what he's doing, and he knows what to do in the future, and um, sure, there may be some ups and downs, but and the fact also that they do they don't they have different directors do different films as well so they also get as well as all the, all of it planned how they ha, how they want it to go down and how they want it to go down in the future they also get the artistic impressions of other directors and therefore mm-hmm. that sort also adds another layer of unlimited content in the fact that like each um film and each show is sort of it's its own film and yeah then, Mm-hmm. yeah
0: i think i think louis brought up an interesting point there as well in terms of what actually makes a good film you know he's mentioned two interesting things there the whole planning and preparation you know the technical side to it or just straight up the passion you know the, uh, we've obviously talked about the uh the marvel the marvel films and there's obviously a lot of passionate drive behind them you know through, through the uh, love of source material that the films are based off of but i don't know what do you guys think Actually makes the film so great. You know, if you had to, if you had to, I know a lot of things go into films and making them great. But if you had to identify one key factor that really puts a film out there and enjoyable, I mean, that's
3: like asking what's the most important sort of instrument or part in a band. You know, oh, it's, yes. it's not no, it can't be complete without one bit or the other. Like it needs everything in order to you know sort of be complete. I don't yes. You can, you can necessarily pinpoint one thing to say this is what makes or breaks it.
2: I think, like, to an extent, I agree with that, but there are things that don't actually matter to having a good yeah. movie. I don't think same. visuals yes. actually matter. Like, obviously, the shot types do, but how high quality it is, whether it's a 3D film or whatever, I don't think that matters in the end of how good quality a film is. That's why you see films that hold up from, like, the early 20th century, like The Great Dictator and other movies that are just, like, quite iconic. And see other films that are massive triple A blockbusters like Justice League fail now. But I think, ultimately, I think the most important part is probably pacing. I mean, you can have the rest of the movie, and if you have bad pacing... And like, it's just, it can ruin a movie.
1: What What do you mean by pacing? Do you mean the plot?
2: It's the sort of timings around the plot. So it kind of intertwines with the narrative, but it's at the, the rate of the movie goes ahead, if that makes sense.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So you can rush through certain plot points and spend too long on other bits.
0: Oh yeah, I think that's I think that's a big a big part. You know, you see a lot of, I think you see a lot of yeah AAA blockbusters nowadays where they often have a really strong start, but then they sort of dwindle in the middle, and then they try like they try to resolve it at the end. And what you often find is because of the pacing of the film, the ending isn't quite satisfactory either. Like it doesn't quite draw everything together, and you're just sort of left in the middle, being confused and kind of bored.
1: Hmm. I mean, the thing is how you're a a bit of a critic of movies. Finley. What are the key things that you look out for when you watch a movie? Like what are the key features of a film that you critique on would you say when you watch a movie?
2: I'm like as an amateur critic ultimately it's about enjoying the experience. Mm. A movie can be as deep as it wants to be but if it's not as in, if it's not enjoyable it's not enjoyable.
1: Yeah.
2: All like, right, you can have I think it is, like, it. you have to feed it through. and You can get something that's powerful, you can get something that's just comedic, but ultimately it's how much, how enjoyable it is. And it's not just to me, but you can tell when an audience loves a, a movie as well. If you're sitting in a comedy and it's silent, you no. can tell it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I sat, I hate people talking in the cinema, but I sat in... The midnight screening of Endgame, and it was the loudest thing I've been in. It was like everyone was just buzzing from the movie. Hmm. And I did the same uh, for the newest Star Wars movie, um, Last Jedi, and it was just it just wasn't there.
1: Hmm. I mean, I I went I didn't go to the midnight viewing of um, Endgame, but I I went to the one of the viewings of the day after it had been released and i've i've got to say i agree with you in the fact that there was there there is an atmosphere especially when you have a fan base of a film that large watching the film even it got to a point some points in the film where they they just applauded at just the different shots and the, especially especially when um at the moment where captain america lifted up uh thor's hammer
2: oh you Ed, should have heard the cinema you the should have heard the cin- screen yeah
1: the whole cinema just screamed and applauded. And I think when when a film is able to make its audience do that, then you know it's definitely doing something right. Mm. But... Uh, I think
3: I think ultimately you have to think about it as like film is entertainment. So if it can entertain people, then no matter how much it stacks up against other movies, I think you can say that it's like it succeeded in doing what a film is meant to do.
1: Hmm. But then you can't always have like a cookie cutter film, if you understand. Like for instance, you can't have a movie that plays too safe, otherwise then it just becomes dull. For instance, yeah. But
2: again, it's playing off of how the audience read it. If the audience don't like being patronized, you don't like someone going, "Oh, this is kind of what you genuinely like," Mm. so you must like this movie. If someone throws out the boat and it's like this. Just new ideas, something fresh, something in something that you watch and you go, "Wow, huh. I didn't think of this this way." Or this really like shook me. It's not my normal type of movie. You're still gonna enjoy that more than the generic, cookie cutter film, as you put it.
1: Hmm. Yeah,
3: I, uh, I think it, it's it's when you come out of the cinema and you're like, you'll talk about it like almost like the whole way home. Yeah, but I remember Louie, when we came out of watching 1917, we just couldn't stop like talking about like the different scenes and
1: yeah, and how uh, on our, on the edge of the seat our seat we were yeah. at each point. Yeah, and I've got to say when I watched um, Le Mans 66, I couldn't stop thinking about it for like days on end, and it got to the point where I wanted to become a race car driver because it the the fact that I was able to captivate captivate the excitement of that life and. Um, the adrenaline of the races and that made me want to experience that in my own uh, in my own life, and I think it's amazing the effect that watching a movie, especially inspirational ones and um, uh, story-driven ones, uh, it's incredible to see the effect that can have in inspiring people.
2: Yeah, I think this draws it back to the original thing about art being. Uh, film being art like you've got a film although you're sitting there with like so many people it's a really personal experience mm. and it's it's about how you interpret it to ultimately see how much you enjoy it and that's why in my opinion and i think in quite a lot of people's opinions that films are art. like le mans 66 to me was all right but it wasn't it didn't have the same effect on me as something like Parasite did. Mm. And they all, like, in the game for that matter. But ultimately, it's like, you can't really address what's a good or a bad movie based off of how it's shot, how it's filmed. Yeah. You can just talk about your experience. Mm. And that's, like... That's what is the hardest for me to get when writing reviews. And I haven't done one for a wee while, but it's always about... It's my experience. Yeah. So, like... (sighs) I tend to write... It's a lot easier to write worse reviews than good ones, because I also know no one's going to read them. But (laughs) it's... It's easier as it to gush over a movie and say what the good points are but you can easily more easily nitpick yeah bad points out of a movie and extrapolate that yeah. into your own experience but ultimately there's there's features that make an experience probably most likely better and like psychologically better but yeah mm. it just it's one's own experience really
1: yeah well, for the final question of uh, this uh, episode about films, three uh, D is it is it a good or a bad thing? Because <laughs> I I remember when it first like started becoming a thing in movies, three D was like the way to go. You d- you didn't watch a film in two D, but now it seems like the trend has just died in the gutters.
2: Um, I think the whole thing was about. Cinema evolving because obviously you've gone from black and white movies to color and to higher definition. Then now you've got IMAX surround sound, that sort of thing. But the problem is, is the the 3D movies, like you ultimately have to compromise. You have to wear the glasses. You have to film it in a certain way, and the films that it would it used like um i never got to watch avatar in the cinema because we're too young but um apparently that was is that utilized the 3d aspect really well of having a really nice world that it can use but then you watch other movies and especially um animated movies that use the 3d aspect and it's just it's just it is literally a gimmick it doesn't Enhance any part of your experience mm. while watching the movie. Therefore, I don't go and see three D movies because the glasses are annoying and it doesn't really add anything.
1: Yeah. So
3: yeah, I I guess personally I always saw three D as sort of uh, you know like a, what's the like what's the point sort yeah. of thing. I didn't really, I never really felt as though sort of like I gained from anything like yeah maybe it looked like an object was actually flying towards me but it didn't, that didn't really add to the film much for me
1: mm. what about you Jacob alright okay I guess he doesn't like 3D <laughs> well uh, thank you for coming on Finlay that's right and um, I'm, I'm sure that you'll be critiquing have you been because you were gonna write a, uh, a movie uh, review in our, sc- our school uh, magazine but you didn't I did, did in the end didn't I yeah I did, did. oh was it in yeah the, I won't uh... run
2: for glass in the end
1: oh yeah 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 I remember that yeah So it I, I, took
2: forever to come out but yeah
1: are you gonna do anything for the for for your new school that you're in
2: uh, probably not I mean no one really knows about it to be <laughs> fair um, it's, it's just a hobby I have my letterbox page which I should be writing more on. More Netflix stuff. And more Disney Plus stuff.
1: But...
3: Oh, I have a question. We'll
1: see. One last question. Do
3: you think... Sorry, how do you feel that... the sort of difference between critiquing movies compared to TV series?
2: I haven't critiqued a TV series, but a film's a lot easier to do because it's a lot shorter. (laughs) Like, ultimately, you can... Critique a series, but a series is usually four or five hours worth of content.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. Thanks for coming on, Finley. It was a I pleasure swear. to talk to you after so long. I mean,
2: yeah, yeah
0: I, I think I mean, a
1: catch up is in due order.
0: Uh, we'll be there, yeah. Definitely. You're are you, you going to critique this podcast episode?
1: Oh, uh, what, what is there to critique when it's perfect? Oh, thank you. Uh, exactly. Obviously. Much better than other podcasts. Uh, yeah, exactly.
0: Sorry, what other podcasts? The other podcasts every week. What, what, other, what other podcasts? Oh, we're just stimulating a friendly,
1: you know... Friendly competition. Competition yeah. is never bad.
0: I think, you know, we're just, you know, we're just stimulating ourselves and others to grow. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, like Thin mentioned, it's all about experience. And you know we're just trying to provide the best experience for our listeners. So
2: yeah, for your whole listener, <laughs> <laughs> Shh.
1: So just my just whole my listener. listener. Listen, I only listen. At the to end of you
2: know. the day, you're doing a podcast. <laughs> Chill. <laughs> at, the end
1: of, at the end of the day, you came on it. Yeah, that's true. But I'm, I'm only. We're gonna stop this. Wait, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so thanks, thank Finn. You
3: for uh, listening again. Obviously, thank you for coming on. Um, again. Thank you time
2: for time. having me, Casey.
3: You're welcome. Please. Um, but we're we're gonna <laughs> in a future episodes trying to experiment a bit more, get more people on, you know, because we're on Discord. So we've got a few things uh, hopefully planned that we can get up and running.
1: Yeah, a few uh, things in the works.
3: As per join the Discord, follow the Instagram page,
1: buy the know, merch. Buy the you know we I, have no merch. I I <laughs> it. Okay, okay, yeah, okay.
3: And as per like every Wednesday for your obviously.
0: Obviously, All right, and, you, and right. the definitive best one. All right, see ya.